0: second you start resting on your laurels is the second you realize the business got disrupted somehow. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go.
1: Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Funnel. As uh, most of you guys know, Tuesdays are fun days where I get to interview somebody incredible. And uh, today, I'm going to interview somebody who's a brand builder, who is a digital transformationist, VC person, startup advisor, CMO, CMO. has done a whole bunch of things. And recently, he is an, an accomplished author of Predicting the Turn. So we're going to chat about what does that mean, the intersection of a startup and big brands and how that works? And then we are really going to get into something that we just started to talk about right before, the idea of being a fractional CML and what that means. So before we get into a whole lot of that, Dave, welcome to the show. And, and I'm so pumped to have you on it.
0: Well, thank you, sir. It's awesome to be here and uh, looking forward to a fun conversation.
1: No doubt, man. So could you share a little bit about something and a fun fact?
0: Yeah. So uh, my fun facts. one we were kind of talking about. So. Uh... You know, for me, family super important. And the one that keeps me super busy with that regard is I'm a father of twins, which it's been fun. It's mm. amazing, actually, how many dads of multiples exist in the marketing industry. <laughs> so it's a fun common bonding of, with a lot of people.
1: Yeah. How, how old are uh, your twins?
0: Uh, they're six years old. They just started kindergarten. Wow. We're so going through the, the full chaos of that.
1: You know, I gave this advice to somebody and uh, their wife don't, didn't like that advice, but the advice was like, they just had one kid and they're like, man, it's, you know, we were thinking about another kid and it's been just a year. I'm like, man, you should just get twins <laughs> because look, you're not going to sleep anyway for the next three years. So why not just, just get over it? And his wife didn't like my advice, but uh, I thought it was good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're lucky if you have twins first, it's, it's easy because you don't know any better. Yeah. You're just naive and stupid. You don't know. <laughs> But if you've gotten the the drug of having one and then you got two, then you know how much trouble you're in. It's Better to be naive when you haven't happened.
1: That's awesome, man. So cool. So you have done so much. You have been with PNG. you have been like in a startup. I mean, some of the recent stuff, I'd love for you to share what you have been up in the world. And it was about
0: seven years ago that I jumped fully into the more entrepreneurial side. And I did that uh, twofold. One is I had a chance to join as the CMO for what at the time was a pretty small agency called Rockfish and opened up our Cincinnati office. And, you know, fast forward, we grew that from about $8 million to about $71 million, uh, ended up selling it off to WPP in the process. But then in the, the same token, that summer had a chance to launch the brand ring, which was one of the first startup accelerators out there. And it's really was the first that was launched by, I'd argue by marketers mm. and by you know brand builders that was focused on it was called the brand rate, not because we were just launching consumer products, but because the belief that how a marketer thinks about understanding consumer audiences, insights around those consumers, those are really about identifying opportunities. And we thought that stuff actually wasn't being paid enough when it came to the classic startups. And we thought there was real value with that. So yeah. that was a big focus. And, you know, fast forward seven years later, We've had probably about eighty-five startups go through that program. Uh, and just in the last about two months, we've had about a hundred million dollars of exits. So it's been a wow,
1: that's incredible, man. That's uh, wow. And how many years?
0: Uh, seven years. We've been doing that. and yeah. uh, Probably the best part about that whole journey is, unlike almost every other accelerator, we actually made the brandery a nonprofit. So yeah. mm. all the equity that was owned uh, by the entity wasn't going back to us as the founders. It was going back to an endowment. It was to support entrepreneurship. And with that, we finally just uh, were able to announce the endowment got large enough. We launched something called Main Street Ventures that is giving grants to entrepreneurs that want to change the face of entrepreneurship in the Midwest. So it's been a fun journey.
1: No doubt, man. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit more about the book you launched. I know you've been on a book tour and you've been uh, all over the place. So give me a synopsis of what's going on.
0: Yeah. So I launched Predicting the Turn last year. And the subtitle is The High Stakes Game of Business Between Blue Chips and Startups. And the really, the inspiration was because of those two worlds I was living in. You know, During the week, I was CMO of an agency working with the Fords and the Unilevers and Fortune 500. But then on the nights and weekends, I was working with startups that, frankly, were trying to di- disrupt my clients
1: from the daytime.
0: <laughs> and That was the spark. And it was the spark that in some cases, those companies needed to be competitive. In some cases, they needed to be collaborative. But in all cases, they needed to understand the thinking of each other, because Mm -hmm. each had something they could learn from the other. Yeah. And so that's what I wrote predicting the turnabout was something that entrepreneurs could read and get insights into how these big companies were thinking. And on the flip side you know, the big companies could move beyond this startup tourism of flying out to San Francisco, going to Google's campus, and think they get it. Yeah, and instead, really start thinking about the approach of where industries are going, how they can gain insights, and how they can predict the the how and when the future of their industry is going to happen.
1: Yeah, there's you know, it's so interesting because there's there's always somebody in a garage trying to disrupt anything that's out there already, and and with Terminus, like we being in, in it even for now, four years, I think about that all the time. Uh, like we never want to be in a place in our mind of like, oh, we got this. Now that ABM is there, the so industry is there, you know, we were growing and all that. But I'm always thinking that, you know what, today we are exactly the one company that somebody might be thinking like, man, they got a great business model. I want to disrupt that. Like, so having that beginner's mind is something that, uh, that, that I, all of a sudden I started to think about a lot more.
0: No, the second you start resting on your laurels is the second you realize the business got disrupted yeah. somehow
1: so uh, let's talk about this uh, this cool. idea of fractional cmo <laughs> before we started you know we, we were talking about like what topic we want to chat about and and you shared with me some thoughts around you know what is it for you because you have done it all. You can today potentially get any cmo job in mostly in in any Martech company or new chip company out there because of what you have done but you're opting to be more of a fractional CMO. And I have no concept. I don't even know what that truly means, but I've been hearing that quite a bit lately. Could you unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's been an interesting journey. So I ended up uh, leaving
0: WPP and Rockfish at the end of last year and went through what every marketer kind of goes through of, okay, what do I want to do next? Do I want to start something? Do I want to jump into something? And what ended up happening was I was having conversations with. In particular, I'd say these growth equity type of companies that were, you know, way past MVP had gone to sustainable, you know, 10, 15, even $20 million in revenue. And all of them had this kind of common thing that came up, which was we've been really good at marketing tactically, yeah. but we haven't been able to figure out marketing strategically. We've been checking the boxes. We've been doing the things. But we have to now get to that next level to accomplish our next part of growth. Yeah. And what was coming up in a lot of those conversations, it was more with the CEOs of these companies saying, I need to figure out what does my marketing organization of the future look like? What are the talent that I need with that? How do those people connect to the other organizations? And how do I coach and mentor my marketers that I have to get the most of them? Yeah. Because I don't know, do I have my future CMO already working for me? Mm. Or do I need to go hire somebody from the outside to come in and help grow? What do I do? Yeah. And what that kind of ended up was with a lot of a couple of relationships where I'm doing this fractional CMO, where I'm doing, you call it four to eight hours a week that is coaching and mentoring versus directing, if you will. Mm. where it's helping understand what's the team feeling? What do they have? What do they need? What's keeping the CEO up at night? Yeah. And how should he go off in structure? And a lot of the inspiration has been our mutual friend, Tim Coen. Uh, <laughs> You know, he's got his, the seven types of CMOs. Right. And as we know, none of us have all those skill sets today. Yeah. Like True that. if you find somebody that's got three of them, they're a unicorn. And so part of what the fractional CMO is, is that those of us have been in the industry You've just come across a ton of people in a ton of different worlds. Mm. And how can you be that connect of, oh, you need somebody to help stand up your ABM? Well, here's an agency that could do this. Or you Mm. can go talk to Terminus Professional Services to do it. Or, okay, you need somebody to help you with analyst relations? Well, here's what it looks like if you hire one of those people. Or here's a couple of consultants that could help you get it going. And you just, being that connector is what a lot of these companies need. Um, instead of going and hiring that super expensive CMO that might not be what they actually need.
1: Yeah, you, you know, this is really interesting. Uh, so I'm curious now, are you coaching and mentoring the marketing team or do you feel sometimes you're doing that to this, for the CEO?
0: It's actually both. And so like one of the clients, I actually have, we have a standing weekly call and every Thursday is just with the CEO. Just him and I talking through what's going on. And then every other week, he actually brings in the marketing team with him as well. So it's the CEO and the marketing team. And then I actually have a standalone that's just with the marketing team. So (laughs) in a way, I don't want to say it becomes a mediator. Yeah. But it's a way of, hey, I'm hearing this is really a struggle. And I'm hearing this is something that the company itself is trying to accomplish let's talk about that. What do we do with it? And how can we unlock some of the barriers and
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, what's interesting about that is I feel the role of a CMO having been at Pardot going from 20 million to hundred million and now at Terminus from zero to 20 plus. And what I'm recognizing is that the role of a CMO is pretty much of a change manager. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of you know, pulling it down to like very bare bones here. But it almost feels like there's always something on fire. There's always something going on. CEO typically is always unhappy with marketing because some of his other folks are not getting what they want. And it, it's some, it seems that the marketing team becomes a chokehold for everything that's going on in the company. That's not good right now. So, you know, I'm almost wonder if... And and then, you know, before I get to the question, the other part is you said like Tim, Tim has been on the podcast a couple of times and we've talked about there are seven different types of CMOs. You you don't know what you need. A lot of times I feel like CEOs don't know what they actually need in a CMO right now because they don't even know if they want a CMO because in your case, the example you just shared, if that CEO is so involved with the marketing team, chances are he he he, he or she doesn't probably trust the amount of time that the marketing team or has very challenging things going on. And he's probably trying to figure out what to do. So I guess the question really is that, do you feel that there's a, a stage until which a company should not hire a CMO?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I actually, that exact question came up from one of the, the clients yesterday. <laughs> and you know, I can't remember where I heard it, but it's it's a soundbite I, re-articulate, or I, I re-say all the time, which is, there are certain entrepreneurial companies where the CEO is the CMO, just without the title. And it's that founder that sets the vision for the company, is the base of it, is super out there and visible. And end of the end of the day, a lot of the choices a marketing leader is usually making around brand, et cetera, with that super founder led entrepreneurial company, the CEO is setting that vision. Yeah. The CMO doesn't have permission to change some of those things. Yeah. And in those companies, you don't really need a CMO. You need something a little bit different. And figuring out how do you staff that and how do you get it? Because the problem is the vision and the brand is being set by the CEO, but they don't know how to do the marketing expertise of accomplishing it. Right. And it's a problem we create for ourselves as marketers. We have so much language that as a marketer, we get it. Yeah. But- we toss out things like ABM and a CEO is like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. What is this thing? Where, what's this language you're doing or product marketer versus you know, this or that? It just, it's confusing to them. Yeah. So that's uh that comes up a lot that we have to be that translator and help say, okay, you want to accomplish this. Here's in this toolbox that we have, how we can go do it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of marketers haven't learned that because, you know, think about we mostly start marketers in a tactic. Mm. You come in not as a generalist, but most of the time you start your marketing career as a specialist. You're an email marketer, a search marketer, You know, go down the list. But at some point in our career, we have to magically become generalists. Yep. And that's tough. And because of that, the CEO doesn't know how what things to be asking and depending on what marketers he's asking, he's probably getting a very tactical specialist type of answer as well. Yeah. And then they just throw up their hands and don't know what to do with it.
1: Oh, I've, I've seen it all uh, in those, those scenarios. You made a great point that, that I want to to really focus on a little bit is marketing is one of those roles that are that's just a, a specialist role for the most part. And yeah it's hard for like one of the challenges that I've seen and faced is it's, it's hard to figure out how do I promote somebody to the next level? Because they're so good at that. <laughs> and I don't want them to do anything but that. Keep in point if, you know, a graphic designer, like, you know, what, what, what are we going to do with that? Right. I mean, they, we, we want, we want them to probably give more money, but then they hit a ceiling somehow. Same thing with content marketers. I feel like they hit a ceiling, the people who are really good with marketing automation and tools and tech, and they become more of the MarTech people. And they all are trying to be directors and VPs level. And then I almost feel like, well, you're not going to be able to do that unless you go to these big companies where they have like hundreds of marketers. What advice do you have for early stage uh, comp- uh, marketers that are learning all these skills? A, who are tra- trying to transition from being a specialist to generalist, what what should they do? What do you see them doing to be successful? Yeah, so
0: I actually heard, a, I was listening to, it's a bit meta, I was listening to a podcast yesterday that <laughs> this topic came up, where the CEO, I think it was the CEO of Doc Stock, mm. uh, I believe, and he made this amazing comment and he said, I think an early stage startup, your job is to be a division one coach. Mm. And what he said by that is he goes, if you're a division one coach, you're an awesome athlete and you've got into a good place. I want to see if I can get you to the pros mm-hmm. and I need to be okay. If in two or three years, you're going to leave and go off to the pros Yeah, and I might not be the national champion the next year because I lost you, but it's awesome that you got to that next level. And so I think that's what it is, is how do we get as much as we can get out of somebody and help them get to that next place in their career? and If that is for them to become a, they want to become a CMO one day, we have to sit down and say, look, you're amazing at this. You're an awesome content marketer. You can't become CMO by being a content marketer. So we need to get you your tour of duty and try this skill and that skill. And you might find out you just want to do content marketing because of that. Yeah. Or I'll help you figure it out. Or if you want to be amazing at this specialty because you're just the best of the best at it, well, let's help you get there. Yeah. Um, that's our job to help them kind of think about those things and realize not everybody's gonna be a VP of something in marketing, but let's find out where you wanna go and what your career path is and let's help you get there. And if I get two years out of you that you kick ass, hey, the our company is better for it.
1: Yeah. Love that. Man, love that. All right. I'm gonna try to wrap up with some Highlights here. And as you think about a challenge, you want to share with uh, people listening in. And, and I, I forgot to mention this because you started with this before we started record that you do listen to the daily Flip My a podcast on a regular basis. So you, you start to ask me, oh, what day is it going to? And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like somebody is listening. That's great. Uh, I love that. All right. so. First of all, for everybody, go pick up the book "Predicting the Turn." If you're thinking about startup and blue chip and how all that works, I think I think there's a lot of insights in it. And, and Dave is, has been talking about that, and I'm seeing him all over the place uh, speaking on that topic. So it's pretty cool. The idea of fractional CMO, as I uh, the reason I wanted to kind of talk about this is because it's, it's it's something that's coming up more and more. And I think as we as companies mature, I'm starting to understand. Is it important to have a full-time CMO or not? And, and it's, I'm learning a lot. So this, there are, here are a few things that I learned from, from you, Dave. Number one, as a fractional CMO, really a lot of times your job may be coaching and mentoring either the team or the CEO or both because they're just trying to figure things out. And, and that's one of the big things that you do. You all almost start becoming a connector, which I think until, you know, the reason you're a fractional CMO and successful at that right now is because you've done it all. And and now you're able to connect the dots for them of the gaps and where things are happening and connect with other people. So do you have that connector mentality because you're not there to probably see it all through. You're there to help them get to the next stage. So there's a very different mindset than a full-time CM, CMO. <laughs> you made a great point, And I think there are examples of these where a lot of times the CEO or one of the founders is more or less the CMO or acting and, and like see, you think about I don't even know who's the CMO of Salesforce, right? I think Mark yeah. Benioff has been the, the CMO, if you will, of Salesforce forever. Yeah, so so there, there, there are examples of that, like a role, I'm sure there is a CMO, but you don't actually really hear from that because they're more in a operating role uh, as opposed to a forward-thinking brand role. The other part is, and this is what I hear all the time about, is I'm in marketing or I'm in sales. I'm I'm a specialist and it's really hard for me to be in a management role. Well, that is true. And if you are in that, and if you do aspire to it, figure out a way, as Dave mentioned, a tour of duty and, and find out before you jump and try and go crazy. I have known a lot of people who tried to take the leap and they said, you know what? I love what I used to do. I'm I'm, I'm not able to write anymore. I want to go back to writing. That's That used to be yeah. the best thing for my soul, right? So you have to find exactly what you want. Just don't go after the title. And then the part that you shared about thinking about like an early stage Division One coach who's helping the players get to pro, I think that's just a completely different mentality. Uh, you're, you're not there to just fully own everything and you're there to coach and mentor and take them to the next level. So I learned a lot on this day. I, I'd love for you to kind of share a challenge for everybody who's, who's seeking and learning from, from this podcast.
0: No, appreciate those, uh, those summaries made it sound like a lot smarter than actually was. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I think the challenge I'd give to everyone is, is you know, marketing is at this pivotal moment right now where I think a lot of us have a chance to take a lot broader leadership roles within companies. But to accomplish that is going to make, it's going to require us to mentor and coach and to figure out that next generation of marketers behind us. So I think the challenge for all of us is how do we go and give back and help out and coach and learn? Because in doing that, it's also going to make us better marketers.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, I heard
0: a, somebody said the other day that you're never going to have a career in a technology that was created after you were 35. <laughs> and I'm saying there is a guy who's 38 going, well, I guess I'm screwed on anything <laughs> new that comes out. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm looking at it my own way of any person I mentor can coach as a young marketer. Hopefully, they're teaching me something about where the industry and the world is going because ABM didn't exist four years ago. <laughs> yeah. I have to have somebody teach me uh, how to learn about it these days.
1: That is so awesome man. I love that. I love your energy. I love your excitement. I love what you're doing. Uh, I would encourage everybody to to find Dave Knox and and follow him. Uh, he has some really interesting things that he tweets about and talks about and and I love that for sure. So Dave, thank you for being on the show and let's keep it going.
0: Awesome. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure and thank you for everything you're doing with Flip My Funnel. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast.